Man, I tell you, these last couple of weeks have been some of the most fun that I've had in worship in a long time. It has been just great. I hope you have been blessed by it. And I just want to say, whoever you are, wherever you've come from today, you know, we believe that God has brought you here. I believe that God has brought you here. And you are welcome in this place. Whoever you are, wherever you've come from, whatever you're about, you are welcome in this place, the house of the Lord, whoever you are. You know, I... I was thinking, you know, here we are the last day of this kind of camp meeting style worship, and I was thinking, you know, what could we do? And, and uh, what I thought we would do today is we would actually start a new sermon series for the next few weeks on some of the essential questions, the essential questions that John Wesley said that each of us, especially the Methodists in here, should ask ourselves on a regular basis. And he kind of outlined 22 of those. And if you look at all the great Christians who have ever lived throughout their lives, they've always kind of self-examined themselves. They kind of say, where am I in this walk of faith? You know, where, where am I measuring up? Where do I need to grow? Where am I not growing? So today I thought we would start out. He's got 22 questions, but really it's the last question that I'm going to focus on today for our time together, and it's question number 22, and it simply is, Jesus Christ real to you? Is Jesus Christ real? real to you. So I'm going to be reading this morning from 2 Corinthians, one of my favorite passages in chapter 5. I'm going to invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one of my favorites. St. Paul is writing to a church, the Corinthian church, and here's what Paul says to them. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all Therefore, all have died. And he, Jesus, died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone, say anyone, So if anyone, say anyone, Anyone. if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Oh, yes. Is Jesus Christ real to you? We as Christians, as Methodists, John Wayne said we should ask ourselves that. Notice I did not say, is Jesus Christ real? I didn't say, you know, do you believe that Jesus Christ was a historical figure who existed 2,000 years ago? No. I said, is Jesus Christ real to you? I mean, is he a living part, of a, a material part of your daily life? I mean, do you, through the week, every day, do you sense him? Do you experience him? I mean, is, is he truly alive within you. Uh, Pastor Kyle has been uh, doing a course of study at a seminary in Atlanta, Candler School of Theology, and he shared with me a uh, question that the author of this book on evangelism uh, wrote in this book, and the question is like this. Think about this one. If Christianity ceased to exist from the face of the earth at midnight tonight, if faith in Jesus just disappeared, would your life look radically different the next morning? Would you be completely lost in the world? Would you have no idea how to get your bearings? Would your marriage change? Would how you approach your job change? 
Would how you spend your time change? Would how you talk to other people change? Would everything change if Christianity ceased to exist? Or would your life pretty much look the same as it always has? Didn't really change materially all that much, except for maybe an opinion you have, or maybe your thoughts on life after death. It's one of the greatest threats to Christianity. And John Wesley said this. Other great uh, theologians through the century said this, that one of the greatest threats to Christianity lies in thinking that our salvation lies in an opinion. That if we just have the right opinion about things, like I will believe these five things about Jesus. I will believe, yes, I subscribe to the creeds. And I'm all for creeds in the church. I believe the creeds. You know, there's this place in the New Testament, the letter of James, this is my paraphrase, where James says, well, even the devil believes the creeds are true. Doesn't change him at all. I mean, would, would Jesus, is he real to you? You know, there was a time in John Wesley's life. There was a time in John Wesley's life when he, he was a pastor, been a Christian all of his life. But Jesus was not real to him. He talks about this. Jesus was kind of this abstract thing. He was kind of dry. He was hollow on the inside. He, he didn't have any life with him. And he was, a, he was an a Anglican priest, an Episcopal priest in England. And so as a good priest, he made it his uh, obligation to go to the Americas, to the United States, and he was going to save the Indians. And then he came to the Americas, and then one night and he was sitting with his journal, and he wrote this in his journal. He says, I came to the Americas to convert the Indians, but who, O oh God, is going to convert me? Who, oh God, is going to convert me? This is someone who's been a Christian all of his life. He was a priest. He was a pastor. See, the most important question that I've learned over the years, sometimes the most important question is not this question. Are you saved? Although that's an important question to ask. I mean, here we are under a tent. I suppose I better ask that question. This is what revival preachers do. I mean, are you saved? I mean, do you... Have you, have you ever committed, I mean committed, your life to following Jesus? Has there ever been a moment where you did that? I mean, do you, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that he rose again, that God raised him from the dead? I mean, are you saved? That's a critical question. Got to think on this. But I'll tell you another more important question. John Wesley talked about this. is not are you saved. It's are you being saved? Are you still being converted? Is your relationship with Jesus right now, is it evolving? Can you say honestly to yourself that your relationship with Jesus Christ is evolving, it is changing, it is growing? Or does your image of Jesus pretty much look like the image you had of Jesus when you were in third grade Sunday school? And nothing's ever changed. Because if, you have a, if Jesus Christ is real to you, man, your, your faith in him is going to change. Your understanding of him is going to change. You're going to grow. He's going to show you new things. You think about the relationships you all have in your life right now. You think about your marriage. You can think about some, uh, a child, a best friend of yours. You know that when you are in a relationship with someone, when you are committed to someone, you never fully understand that person. That person is always doing new things. You thought you knew the person totally. No, I don't know. Why, where did this come from? It's because all of us are evolving. We're growing because we are alive. Only the dead do not change. And see, Jesus, I believe... I believe Jesus Christ is alive from the dead. 
He's not some abstraction. He's truly alive. And if Jesus is alive and you are connected to him, you are attached to him, that means your relationship with him, he's going to show you new things you did not know. He's going to show you understandings of things you would not have ever believed. He's going to change you over and over and over. And if Christ is real to you, that's the John Wesley question. If Jesus Christ is real to you, then nothing can stay the same. Is your life staying the same? Because if Christ is real to you, Everything's got to change. I love how Paul drives this point home in our passage today. I love this passage. Uh, I thought, well, this will be appropriate for a revival. Let's talk about this one. Paul, writing to the Corinthians. I love this. Picking up in verse 14, he says this. He says, for the love of Christ urges us on. Notice he does not say the fear of God. The fear of God's judgment. God's wrath does not urge us on. What did, what did he say? He says, for the love of Christ urges us on. Man, he, he loves us. And then he says, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who live, listen to this, might no longer live for themselves, but for him, Jesus, who died and was raised for them. See what Paul's emphasis is right there? You know, if Jesus Christ is real to you, if he's ever growing in your life, the self-interested nature in you and in me, it's dying. We are not a people of self-interest anymore. We've got to be like John the Baptist in the Gospel of John. John the Baptist who baptized Jesus once said to his followers, he said, I must decrease, but he, Jesus, must increase. Let me ask you this morning. Is Jesus increasing in your life more and more? I mean, is your, is your relationship with God, is it becoming more and more a priority? Maybe, maybe more of a priority than it was last week or the week before. Is it growing in your life? You know, because if, you, if, if Christ is real to you, what, what happens to you in your life is that you, you start to, to be unable to separate who you are from who He is. If Jesus Christ is real to you, you cannot separate who you are from who he is. When I first started out in the Christian faith, I thought that Jesus existed to prop up what I wanted in life. Uh-uh. Flip that one around. No, you exist to prop up what he wants in life. And the closer you draw to Jesus, the more you want what God wants. Is that happening to you? Are you wanting more and more what God wants? Because <laughs> scriptures are clear, man. If, he, if you believe he's real in your life, you're not living for yourself anymore. You can, be, you can say along with St. Paul in another place in the letter to the Galatians when he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And therefore the life I live, I now live by faith of the Son of God who loved me. Hear it again. Who loved me, whoever you are, and gave himself for me. Man, is that your life? I've been thinking about this. Man, is that my life? Is your life really nothing more than a testimony of no longer I? The I in me is decreasing, but the Jesus in me is increasing more and more. Man, that's a sign. I'm not called to be a self-interested people. And, and Paul goes on. He says this, Therefore, therefore, from now on, re, we regard no one from a human point of view. 
In other words, if Jesus is real to you, you know what starts happening in yourself? All the categories in our world right now that we have, and it's used to kind of divide us from one another. What Paul is saying is that if, you're, if you are close to Jesus and if he's real in your life, that those, those categories do not matter. And that's going to make you strange in this world that cares about you being polarized from everybody else. Which ethnicity are you? Which class are you? Which gender are you? Which sex are you? Which orientation are you? Because we've got we to gotta figure this out. We've got to find out who you are. But Paul is saying, if you are in Christ, it doesn't matter. Those categories are gone. It's dead. You cannot be kind of plucked up and set into these categories anymore. That's a human point of view. Jesus Christ came into this world. He didn't come just to kind of convert your your spirit necessarily to make you feel better. What, what Jesus, Paul is saying here is that once he becomes real to you, he, he will convert how you see things. He will convert your vision, how you see people. You won't see them, ethnicity, class, gender. That's a human point of view. The more you grow in Christ, the more you're liberated from that human point of view and you see things with a Jesus point of view. Jesus, when he saw people, he didn't see what race, what religion, what ethnicity. He just saw people, neighbors, brother, sister, child of God. That's what he was about. Man, convert our vision, Lord. If Jesus is real to you. You can't be called up in the human points of you. And then... Paul, right after this, these wonderful words that culminate here in verse 17. This is awesome. He says, if anyone, say anyone again. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Ah, man, that's that's one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Now, some of you have heard this uh, through the King James Version. Some of you might actually have your Bibles right now, the King James Version. Anybody bring your King James Bible? Any, uh, any Baptists in here today? I'm kidding. Now, I was kind of raised on the King James Version. If you look at this passage in the King James Version, it, they, they translate it like this. They say, here's what Paul's saying, is that if anyone is in Christ, then he or she is a new creature. You ever heard that? As if, you know, salvation is just about the individual. Right? But that's not what Paul says. If you look at the Greek, this translation is actually better. Well, Paul says, if anyone's in Christ, new creation. In other words, the whole world has changed. Everything, not just within you, but without you. Everything, the whole world has become something new. I love the language of in Christ. In Christ. It's as if Paul is saying it's like to be in Christ is to... It's to kind of step into a new world. You know, we were over here, but now we're going to go in Christ. We're kind of like Dorothy in Kansas. We get out of the house, and all of a sudden we enter Oz. And everything is completely different. I mean, Paul is saying, man, if Jesus Christ is real to you, everything changes. Not just a few things. Not just what you do on Sunday morning. Not just a couple of things. You can't compartmentalize. This faith, if, if, if Jesus is real to you, then you ought to be able to say everything in my life is changing. It's like I, don't, I inhabit an entirely different world now. It's not just here. 
It's out there too. The old things of this world, the tribalisms, the racisms, the sexisms, the human points of view, the violences, the death, the sin, that's gone. And now a whole new world has opened up. You know, there's a, there's a great revival preacher uh, back in the 1800s. Some of you have heard this, but he had this great little quote. He said this in one of his revival sermons. He said, Jesus is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Jesus Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Jesus is either Lord of everything in your life or he's really not Lord of anything in your life. See, Jesus came in. He, he wants to be the Lord of everything. Paul says it's not just some things. It is everything. How you live your life, your will, what you think about, the decisions that you make. He wants to be the Lord of your family. He wants to be the Lord of your job. He wants to be the Lord of where you are in school. He wants to be the Lord of your finances. He wants to be the Lord of your marriage. He wants to be a Lord of, of, of everything in your life. And somebody's hearing me saying, well, well Shane, it makes, you, it makes it sound like we want to be a bunch of Jesus freaks. Yeah, I do. Why not? Why not be a bunch of Jesus freaks? Now, there's obnoxious Jesus freaks. But man, Jesus wants to be Lord of everything in your life. I mean, Jesus actually said that the threat to us is not an on fire faith. That's not the threat to our salvation. You know what Jesus says the threat to our salvation is the lukewarm faith. Oh, it's that sleepy faith. That faith that says, oh, I'm kind of bored. I'm, I'm kind of apathetic. Nah. Now, we're, we're called to be an on fire people. Larry Burkett, one of the great Christian. Uh, Authors who said many years ago, I love how he put it. I want to make sure I get this right. So I quoted to you. Larry Burkett once said this. He says, Most Christians are content to live out their lives surrounded by the trappings of our world rather than to risk losing those trappings, those superficialities, the things that do not matter, rather than to risk losing those trappings by becoming what he said is a radical Christian. Now, we think a radical Christian is one of those extremist people, you know, those people who annoy you to death. A radical Christian. But Larry Burkett defined what he said was a radical Christian in his understanding. He says this, A radical Christian is anyone who will put God first in all decisions, even when putting God first hurts and is costly. A radical Christian is anybody who will put Jesus first in all their decisions. Let me ask you, can you really say that you do that? I mean, is Jesus first in every decision that you make? I mean, is Jesus the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning? Is Jesus the last thing you think of when you lay in bed at night? Is Jesus the first thing you think of when you talk about your role as being a wife or a husband or father or a mother, student, where you work? Is Jesus Christ first in everything? I mean, can someone really, can someone really say about you that you, you are a radical Christian? In other words, you are someone who puts Jesus Christ first in everything in your life. John Wesley said that there are two kinds of Christians in the church. There is what he called the almost Christian. And then there is what he called the altogether Christian. He said the almost Christian looks like we would expect a Christian to look like. 
He said, an almost Christian man, they will come to church faithfully. They will tie their income. They will get involved in Bible studies. They'll sign up for mission trips. They're very kind to strangers. They're very sincere. But he says, the one thing that separates an almost Christian from an altogether Christian is that the altogether Christian knows the love of God. And the love of God is just within them and it consumes them and it overwhelms them and it outpours into a love of other people. John Wesley said in one of his most famous revival sermons that we can be Christians for years and years and years and never know, never experience the love of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got to tell you, some of you are visiting with us. I've, I've shared this with the congregation before, but there was a time in my life when I was an almost Christian. I was almost there, right there. Oh, I believed that, you know, Jesus died for the sins of the world. I, I was baptized as an infant. I, I got to church. I was a very good person. But the one thing I did lack is that I did not really believe that Jesus Christ died for me. That he, he died and rose again for me. I remember one day after years of just putting it off, I was encouraged by a friend of mine, and then one day I said, you know what, I'm sick and tired of waiting on this. I'm just going to step in. I'm just going to step into this new world that God says Jesus has made for each one of us. I had no idea what was going to follow. I had no idea. I just, I just did it. I was at this altar in 1996, September 1996, at a Billy Graham crusade. I wish I had the power of Billy Graham. All I have to say is, God loves you, and you would all come flocking to the altar right now. God loves you. That was enough. Right? And I remember going down to the, to the altar and, you know, my parents were Christians and, and all that. And I just remember I said, you know, Lord, I, I have no idea what this means. I, all I know is that I am far from you in some other way, but you're not far from me. So here's what I'm going to do, God. Around all these people, I'm just going to say, you, you just do with me whatever you will. I don't care what it is. You know, I'm going I'm to trust you. Take my life. And to do something with me, save me, Lord. You know, my life changed in that moment. I wasn't the same person every morning. You know, I took a step. Last week, if you were here, one of the things I said is that, you know, some, so often we wait for God to do something in our lives. But what, what God often does is He's waiting for us to take a step. It's like we just heard, you know, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. And I took a step. I got tired of tiptoeing. I was tiptoeing around the new creation. Well, I wonder what that's like. I don't know. But I was almost there, but I didn't do it. And then I took a step. And I remember being filled with so much joy. And I was filled with so much wonder and enthusiasm. I and mean, I was just on fire for the Lord. And I remember going to the church. I've shared this with some of you. I remember going to the church long before I became a pastor. And there was this gentleman in the church who said, Well, young man, you sure are passionate, aren't you? And I said, Yes, sir. He said, Just give it time. No. No. I'm giving it time. I mean, if Jesus Christ is real to you, you've got to be filled with some excitement. If Jesus Christ is real to you, you can't be anything but enthusiastic. We are the bearers of the good news that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that He will make a whole new world for you. How could any of us be anything other than enthusiastic about this? You know, and I became a pastor. I became a pastor. I became a pastor, you know, because I, I, want, I want people to experience what I experienced. I mean, I know what it's like. 
to tiptoe around the edges, not quite fully in, just kind of looking. And I realized at 21 years old, I needed to be born not again. <laughs> I needed to be born again, again. Some of us today need to be born again, again. And I want you to experience what I experience. I want some of you sitting right here, I want you to experience, man, the forgiveness of your sins. I mean, the mercy of God pouring out on your life. I mean, the getting rid, killing things in your soul that are keeping you from God, the human points of view, this, this new freedom. That's why I became a pastor. Not so I would give it time, your passion would go away. Because there's nothing else worth living for. There's nothing else worth dying for than Jesus Christ. Some of you right here today, you, you're hearing this and maybe you, uh, you've never given yourself to Christ. Jesus has really never been real to you. You've never experienced the forgiveness of God and the mercy of God and this new world, this whole new world where everything you were before is put away. It's gone. And then everything in your life becomes new.